2: House. In good, the morning. The good, good morning, everyone. I'm Dottie Herman, and I'm here with Ace Westupar, who is our expert in mortgage and financing, anything you want to know about financing real estate, and Stephen Ebert, who's our specialty with illegal, anything that you want to know legally about real estate, closings, anything, problems, whatever. Anything real estate, you know, Stephen, we are, we just cover everything on real estate and we're here today, we're going to be talking about the big boom in real estate that's on and uh, who's buying and the millennials, which is really the biggest buying sector for real estate today and what they like to buy, what, what they're buying, what places they're buying and everything about them. And especially if you're going to be selling, you should know. Because they'll probably be your buyer. We're also going to be talking some financial stuff. Uh, oh, I just saw a thing go by with interest rates going up. Should you refinance anymore? Or is it too late? And we'll be talking about that with East. And uh, legally, we have a whole bunch of things to talk to you about legally uh, as far as with this whole package. And what about foreclosure? What if you're foreclosing and can't pay? And by the way, this is the talking Show, so you can call us with any of your questions at 866-970-9622, 866-970-9622. And we'd love to hear from you. You can also follow us on Facebook. Our, we have a Facebook page. that's called Iron Real Estate, which you can find up-and-coming news, all our market reports. And uh, you can ask us, leave questions if you can't call in person. Um Again, it's 866 970 And, of course, I want to thank Citizens Bank, which works with Douglas Ellman as a preferred lender. Citizens is the nation's oldest and largest financial institution, and we thank them for their support. And uh, they offer 24-7 con- contact centers, and you can get them any j- anytime you like, any hour of the day, and any way in which it's good for you. You can also reach me on Facebook and Twitter, Instagram or email me at dotty daddy at dotty So I always like to talk about okay what really happened this week. Okay, uh, and there was a lot that happened this week. A lot of a lot, a lot, 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 lot. So one of the things that uh, you're hearing is I, I read a whole article. Uh okay, we passed the stimulus package, and I want to ask Stephen and 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 Uh, Ace, what do you think that means for real estate?
3: Well, I I think it means a couple of things. I think, one, it depends on where you are geographically. Like, I think what's going to happen is some states are going to get a better deal out of this package than others, and we'll get to that in a second. I think it will encourage um, some development. At the same time, I think there is a push, and there's a wide range of opinion on this but I'm leaning towards that will be a push to be a little bit inflationary. Um, so what that means is that people should really watch the treasury market and really watch those mortgage rates because we've had a great time period with low rates. I think they'll still be very low, but the question is, you know, will it be low or will it be low and a half a percent higher? Um, but I think overall it's going to be some good news uh, for real estate markets. And interestingly enough, for the New York market, there's now some articles, there's a big article in Bloomberg this week of people rethinking the geographic move and really heading back to New York. Um, So a lot of interesting things going on.
2: Well, speaking about that, moving back to New York, um, gosh, I must have read it in 10 papers. So some of the titles that I read was... Wall Street elites who fled to Florida amid COVID-19 want to return to New York City. Uh, a listers who fled to Florida may now return, want to return to New York City. Uh, the problem with moving to Florida is you have to live in Florida. Wall Street titans who moved to Miami during lockdowns are eyeing, eyeing to return to New York City because it has the best schools, theaters, and restaurants. And so I thought we would talk about that. And, of course, that's a matter of opinion, I know. Um, but I, but I, 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 when I came to Florida in January, I thought I was in New York because everybody from New York that I knew was here. And uh, when I went to Palm Beach, I say, I saw St. Ambrose, which is just like the St. Ambrose in Manhattan. And Cipriani's, which is in Miami, which is uh, the same as Cipriani's on Wall Street and on Fifth Avenue. Uh, or I don't know if it's there. Oh, yeah, it's still there, I think. And um, I saw everything, many of the names and the money and everything you saw was, so we, I thought, well, is Miami or is Florida becoming the new Wall Street? And there was many articles about that. I don't know what you heard or what you thought. What are you thinking about that?
3: Well, I, I I think there was a period of uncertainty, you know. And I've said this before: you don't make a long-term decision off of a short-term problem. I think there's a lot of wonderful things in Florida, and and I enjoy visiting. It's a nice place to visit, but I personally wouldn't want to live there, Um, you know. And and I I think it's the same. I think it's the same thing. Where was the real infrastructure behind it? You know, I think you're seeing temporary temporary things happening. I mean, even. Patsy's, the very famous Patsy's, they're opening up a temporary, almost pop-up restaurants for about, restaurant for about two months in New Jersey, and then as things open up, they'll be back to business and, and back to normal in New York. Um, I think there is, there is something magical about Manhattan. It's, it's, it's not perfect, don't get me wrong, but the concentration of wealth, experience, knowledge, jobs, in such a concentrated area, is truly unique, both in the country and globally.
2: Stephen, you sound like everything that people said. I mean, I've read a lot about it, and I give you... These are all opinions, but it's my opinion. But a big percentage of New Yorkers it said, first of all, it was misleading. As you said, only a small percentage of Manhattanites moved permanently to Florida last year. Mm -hmm. Um, And obviously, you know... um, they were getting you know they were get there was nothing open in New York, and when you walked into Florida when you walk into the state of Florida, and that's really uh, you know attributes to the governor there, however, everything was open. I thought I was in another country, like the bars were open, the restaurants were open uh people wore masks, but everything was open, and pretty much city New York city was uh closed, plus it was cold we had a lot of snow, so that but a lot of the Wall Streeters that are here are saying they have, they're they going back because New York has, the and it does, has the smartest, most driven people, the best culture, the best restaurants, and the best theaters. And, you know, when you have a business, if you can't get people, and New York has the biggest pool of talent, and young people, too. So, uh, you know... That kind and the trend, of the trend, like- the trend
3: lines are, by the way, already showing it. You know, it's interesting. I've talked to some some of the folks in the corporate relocation market, and they're seeing it pick up tremendously. And you know, right. if you look at the, and if you look at the people, in you now, like you're seeing technology companies taking more thing. Um It was, I believe, it was BlackRock. They just expanded. There, they took on another. I think 750,000 square feet, and they're expanding their footprint in Manhattan. They just announced last week. So you're starting to see a bit of the momentum. And remember, things always take time, right? When somebody is signing a lease, and they got to renovate the office and have it set up and have people move in. You got to remember that when, when there's deal activity, it takes six, 12 months to really start seeing um people back in there so there's a time lag um right and that, and that so so it doesn't surprise me it's still going to take but months in, like
2: in, in reality and in other words you know a lot of things whether they say perception is reality more manhattanites relocated to jersey city la philadelphia chicago hoboken new jersey than they did either miami or palm beach okay It's just that I guess there was a concentration in certain parts of Florida, like you know, parts of Florida that really attract a lot of northeasters like you know Miami, LA I mean Palm Beach, okay but, but actually those destinations really had more people. And the main drivers for people to stay in New York are that they say and that I'm reading and that I'm listening are really, the top to access to top private schools and a bigger pool of young professionals to fill jobs. Now, don't forget New York city was on remote. I mean, you could go to school, but you could also do it remotely. So there were many people that stayed in Florida and other places past the school holiday, which was, you know, past the Christmas and Passover holiday because their kids could stay in Florida with them or wherever they were on vacation, and and go back to school by remote. And hopefully, uh, if know, this virus, yeah, if the virus I winds mean, down, we won't be, be able to do that. Hopefully, soon.
3: You know, with the, the announcements already starting to come up out in Westchester, they're about to switch to you know all in on school. If you don't feel comfortable, you're allowed to go remote, but. In our district here in Westchester, we had nearly 80% of the families that pulled wanted to have full in-learning every day, and that's coming in April. So, you know, the, 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 you know, I generally try not to make too many predictions because it's tough to make them, but I think this is a pretty good one, so I'm going to make it. By the fall school year, this Labor Day, when, when the kids return, it, it's going to be – there won't be a Zoom school this fall. And so people really need to start thinking – about where they want to be because they're going to have to, they won't be able to zoom in their school district. I think Do, that's going to be gone by the fall.
4: Do, Dottie, Steven, I, I'm actually on. I, I finally got Brave. on. I apologize. Oh,
2: thank you. We're talking about, you know, Ace, we're talking about all of these articles that said, Oh, uh, Florida is the new wall street, etc." You know, everybody's going there. And we're saying that, uh, yeah, they came here, but most of them are not staying here permanently, and what's luring them back to the city is there's no city like New York City. The schools, okay, they're definitely like a and 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 the job pool, the talent, New York City, the young talent. So people, as much as they might like it to get out of the cold, they they were here, and nothing was open in New York City. It was completely shut down. Florida is completely open, definitely. so there was really no there was nowhere to go, and the schools. Yeah, I was- we're yeah, doing Dottie. remote.
4: I, I, I Were you there? To share. Yeah, Dottie. So last week I was in Tampa, and um, it was almost as if there was no COVID down there, right? But I want, I, want to sh- I want to share with our listeners that you know Apple TV just signed a huge contract in Long Island City um, in New York. And I, I truly believe by June there's been a couple of mandates for, for corporations, even Goldman Sachs, down near, um, near Tribeca right, right in the right in Brookfield place where folks are coming back in June. Right. So so right right along the lines, which what Stephen just shared, that by Labor Day, we feel that schools will be back. I think once folks and there's tons of folks that are getting the vaccines now, I can tell you on the restaurant side, you know, I'm seeing huge, huge influx of of folks just coming and dining in. Right. Um, you know, right now they're they're going to increase the capacity to fifty percent, and you're seeing a little bit of, of resurgence in New York City. And I've been going to work the last month or so at, at at 42nd Street and Park Avenue. Prior to that, it was desolate. Now you're seeing a lot of people just are are coming back to work. So so I think I, I think the trend is that folks will be coming back. And you're right, Dottie. There's no city like New York City the resilience there of the city. No, there isn't. And, and once theaters start opening everyone, back up... Yeah.
2: Never bet against New York City, you'll lose.
4: Never. Never bet against New York never. City. Never.
2: Okay? You will lose. And remember, we were on complete lockdown, and I don't want to get into politics. And again, as I said, with this virus, it was the first time, so people made mistakes because nobody really knew. But we might have shut down New York because... I had the same experience. I came to Florida. I thought I was in another country. Everything was open. People were sitting <laughs> at bars, drinking, sitting right next to each other. Yeah. Music was playing. And I said, what country am I in? And so, you know, and, and, and then, of course, the weather is nice here. And we had a very cold winter in New York, a lot of snow. And nothing was open. So everything is opening now. It looks like everything's going to start opening. The stores are starting to come back. Um, uh the governor is, is, is restrict- I think the travel restrictions are, you don't have to quarantine for 14 days. I don't think, I don't want, don't quote me on that. Um, and the restaurants are starting to, you know, the capacity, as you said, are, are is changing. And I, you know, and the schools are now, my daughter's a teacher. She, and, and in the city schools, they had a choice of working remotely or having in-house. My daughter taught in-house every day, and she said only about eight out of about 30 students showed up uh, because people were frightened. Yeah. Uh, They were frightened, and, and, and and there was nothing open. And a lot of them also rely on mass transportation, which is another key factor. So it's not that they drove their car or they drove their kids or they drove to work. And of course, with the virus, you know, mass transit was a little bit like you know, less safe or people felt less safe. So I think it's all good. I think it's coming back. I'll be, you know, I think that you're going to see a boom. And as far as New York City, hey, Ace, let me ask you this question. What do you see as far as now? I don't want to say after the pandemic or post-pandemic because we still have it, but hopefully it'll continue to, the numbers will continue as they are going down. What do you see in New York City and New York State? What do you see?
4: Oh, Dottie, I mean, you know, one of the statistics that we went over pretty much last week, and I was on a call with uh, Jonathan Miller, who's actually head of uh, Miller and Samuel Appraisals, and we were talking about property value and folks that are actually coming back into New York City especially. And, you know, one of the stats that, that our listeners really need to to focus in on is that consumer consumer spending has increased month over month since the pandemic by by almost a hundred percent annually, Dottie. Wow. And consumer savings have been right around twenty percent in savings. So there's been a lot of pent up demand in terms of folks being able to save save money because there was nothing to do during the pandemic. There was so nowhere to
2: go. I there was nowhere to go, that- Dottie. Oh. There was nowhere to go and no one, no no clothes to buy because you were going nowhere.
4: Correct. So what we're seeing now in the marketplace is that with in, with interest rates at an all-time low, we're seeing an influx of folks purchasing not only in the suburbs, but now Manhattan activity the last three weeks have surged to almost 50% more than what it was the month before. Now, that's, that's a huge increase in terms of activity that's going on in, in Manhattan, right? So we're seeing... I mean, New York City is is resi- resilient. We already know that. But in terms of price points and where people are looking, you have the suburbs where there's bidding wars out there, Long Island, Westchester, Connecticut, which we've never seen before. But more importantly, Manhattan has has seen such a huge price correction that people are 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 are, are flooding into Manhattan looking for for amazing deals that they probably will never ever be able to see and and folks that have been on the sidelines for the last five six seven years because prices in manhattan have been inflated are now able to come in and make a purchase so i just want our folks to just our listeners to to listen and and really hear what we talk about every single week on this show which is you know we've always said that manhattan price points are at an all-time high well now you're getting it at, at a discount and we're seeing tremendous amount of activity. So if, if you ever thought about buying in Manhattan, don't get caught up on the news that people are leaving. You will regret not actually looking into the market and, and really, you know, looking at, at at one bedrooms, two bedrooms. I mean, those are the price points that are really priced correctly now. And if you look at the high-end market, Dottie, anything above four million, five million, I mean, there are contracts being signed every single day because there's huge discounts. In, in, in that price point as well. So,
2: I know we have a commercial break. I just want to elaborate on that two minutes after the break. Don't believe the fake news. We live it. We're there every day. We never try to sell you anything. We're giving you the truth back.
4: Correct. Ah!
5: Major milestones are always a cause for celebration. And right now, Blinds.com is giving you a great reason to celebrate your home with up to 40% off everything as a toast to their 25th anniversary. Blinds.com really does make it a piece of cake to order online with free shipping and a guaranteed perfect fit for your windows. Whether you DIY or have them handle the install from start to finish, you really can't get it wrong. Blinds.com was an internet company founded in a garage back in 1996. And today they help millions save time and money as the number one online retailer of custom window treatments in the world. Don't wait to turn your house into a dream home with the perfect custom finishing touches. Visit blinds.com right now to shop their anniversary deals and make your house feel even more put together with up to 40% off everything from blinds, shades, interior shutters, and even outdoor shades. Rules and restrictions may apply. Cheers to another 25 years.
6: Tell me why Relief Factor is so successful in lowering or eliminating pain. 500-8384
1: Have you ever wanted to learn a new language like French, Spanish, or Russian, but thought it would be too difficult and time-consuming? Then go to Babbel.com and try it for free. Babbel works because it's built around real life. It teaches you everyday practical conversations that you will actually use. In 15 minutes a day, you'll be on your way to speaking a new language in just a few weeks. Babbel uses a modern conversation-based technique that makes language engaging Fun and memorable. It starts by teaching you words and phrases. Then, sentences gradually get more complex. Soon, you're practicing short conversations about real life topics. Babel is created by language experts who use the space repetition method to help you learn quickly and remember what you learned. With Babel, you can speak a new language. Babel language for life celebrating 10 million subscriptions sold now try babbel for free at babel.com just go to babel.com and start learning a new language today that's babel.com b-a-b-b-e-l.com
0: take am 970 the answer anywhere you go with our mobile app get in on itunes google play or listen on tune in iheart alexa or radio.com i'm dr
2: baker an er physician If you're having leg pain, swelling, or redness, but haven't talked to your doctor yet, don't wait. This could be deep vein thrombosis, a blood clot which could travel to your lungs and lead to a pulmonary embolism, which could cause chest pain or discomfort or difficulty breathing and be deadly. Your symptoms could mean something serious, so don't wait. Talk to a doctor right away, by phone, online, or in person.
0: Brought to you by Bristol-Myers Squibb and Pfizer.
5: Hi, I'm Valerie Smaldone. On this Sunday's Bagels and Broadway from 2 to 3, we've got a show chock-full of great conversation, including with Broadway veteran Kyle Taylor Parker, who's released his second CD of Broadway songs done soul-style. And a woman who launched a charity giving books to kids produces a musical theater fundraising event. Plus, a former mortician and medium creates a healthful cocktail. And does Los Angeles have better bagels than New York? We'll find out Bagels and Broadway Sunday at 2
0: it's i on real estate got a question call 866-970-9622 is douglas elements ceo Dottie herman
2: we were just talking about new york's comeback new york city's big comeback and you know as we talk about about i just want to give you some some kind of numbers Okay, because um, Manhattan discounts, as, as A said, are attracting tons of renters and buyers. And uh, new leases are signing in Manhattan rose to the highest level for the current month since the financial crisis of 2008. Okay, Manhattan, you know, is, is the listing inventory has been just, we're, we're, we're going through it. Brooklyn, the same thing. Brooklyn saw the highest number of new lease signings since tracking began, which we started to track Brooklyn during, I guess, the financial crisis. Northwest Queens, the new lease signings surged to their highest total after nine years. So things are surging, and that all has to do with price. And, you know, if, you, if we talk about it and we just look at things, what what happened, If we go back to before the pandemic, if we go back to, let's say the pandemic was, I don't know, we found out about it probably March, February, March of last year. You know, the year before that, really real estate had really had hit its peak. It was slowing well before the pandemic, okay? And people were moving for tax reasons and the prices were so high. And in many ways, look, I don't, this pandemic was a horrible thing and it will, it will be something that we remember forever. But, you know, for every bad thing that happens, something good comes out of things. And first of all, I think people got a little kinder and nicer and started to see the value. And, you know, we were run, 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 go, go, go. And all of a sudden we had to stop. And there was nowhere to go and nowhere to run. And we started to see the value of a of, of family, close friends, and the value of those communications. And many times, I don't know about you guys, but I would hear from people I hadn't heard for years. <laughs> Everyone just called, you know, because they had nothing to do and nowhere to go. So they took the time. And, you know, so relationships were were actually reunited again. and And people really started to... The other thing is, if you look at New York City in particular, but some of the suburbs also, the prices were so high that what was in New York City, and I'm giving you a general thought of my perception, and I'm there every day, uh, was it became like either rich or poor. We were kind of wiping out the middle class in certain ways. And as far as young people, well, Brooklyn is a result of all the young people that couldn't afford Manhattan. But then what happened is they couldn't afford Brooklyn either after that. So I think what you're seeing in New York City now is it's going to come back as a whole new city and in many ways, I think healthier because young people are able to live here now. I think it's going to be younger. I think it's going to be hipper. I mean, there was a time and we're going back. I'm not so young, but When I was young, I would go to the city and there'd be the village. There'd be stores. You'd go to the, you know, I'd go to Washington Square and you could just hang out and walk around and there was all kids there and things were open and there was little eclectic stores that you'd never find anywhere. And it was just a very cool place. And then all of a sudden it got to be, I felt like, I don't know, I felt like it was kind of like the suburbs in certain ways, I mean, there were shopping centers, but they reminded me of malls. And it, it and, and it, it lost its um, edge. It wasn't a little edgy. And I don't know about you, but I think it's gonna become edgy again. Or have a little different buzz. What are you thinking, uh, Stephen and Ace?
4: Oh, New York will always have a vibe that you can't explain, right? It's uh it's unique, it's trendy, and um, you know, it's the epicenter of fashion as well. So what, what are the right, biggest- but
2: what are you seeing differently, Ace? I mean, look, you—you're a real city person. You're a millennial. We're going to talk about millennials today. But what do you what do you see the how it comes back differently? Everything it's coming back, but I don't think it'll come back quite the same. I don't. I think in many ways it'll come back differently, but in a good way. I think there'll be a better mix of people. I mean, the young people will really, actually, you know. Forced to to, to move out, out of New York City because they couldn't afford it, or they had to live like five people in a, like in, a, in a, like a small apartment. Do you see that it's going to be younger again?
4: Oh, I mean, Dottie. Right now, if you look at this, 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 the the uh, stats, right, the first home time buyers are made up of around seventy five percent of millennials. We we saw a median price of eight hundred and ninety five thousand right before COVID. And, and today in New York City, the median price point is 725000 So you're seeing a, a, a huge price correction there. And what we're seeing on the bank side is that 75% of the first home-time buyers are not only millennials, but we also look at Gen Z. So Gen Z, the, uh, they're, they're right around 29 years old. They're going to make up $4 million of the first home-time buyers in the next 12 months. So we're already seeing a younger sort of demographic coming into Manhattan and even Queens, New York, and they're buying Dottie, right? So a lot of them, if you look at January's 2021 census tract, we've had the highest wage earned income that we've ever seen before, Dottie. So we have these millennials that are making really good money from tech companies, things of that nature, and they're buying and their parents are buying for them as well. So you have an influx of all these buyers coming in, and it's a younger generation of buyers it's going to look different. And to your point, Dottie, it's going to look a little healthier because it's a lot more diverse. So,
2: Well, let me, you know, I wasn't going to talk about millennials yet, but since you started (laughs) this thing, um, I just did something on uh, one of of the television stations about the millennials. And just so you know, they are the largest generation in the country. Okay, so first of all, they are the largest generation nationally in the United States of America. They are the most educated generation, okay? Now, listen to this. They are expected to inherit, okay, more than any other generation has inherited. And they this will be the largest transfer of wealth for any generation. So they are also going to be get a lot of money from inheritance okay so they are expected to inherit more than anybody has any generation and guess what they believe in home buying yes they believe in it they want it they want to own and i was talking i said in some cases millennials start a home with a million three because they're high earners now don't forget if you go back to 2008 and Ace and I were doing the show. What? Well, okay. We would say, well, more of the, the, the people are not, the kids, they're not getting their own apartments anymore. Uh, and I'd say, well, not like us. We just escaped. They stayed home with their parents longer because of the financial crisis. They stayed, lived at home. Um, they got married later because they had student debt. We didn't have a good job market. That's right. And they had children later. So they did everything later. And because they did everything later, unlike the generation before that, they had more money. Yeah. When you get married at 23 years old and you just got out of college like like two weeks before and you met. Okay. And then you have a baby a year later. How much money can you really save? So they, you know, those are some of the factors you know and they really really love buying okay they love homes and uh they you know actually and they you know they love cities um i actually did you know actually i did something on some, and they also are like they like cities where they can connect they don't have to be big cities but they like their generation and i think in my generation When you got wealthy, somebody bought a house in one of the suburbs. It was two miles from anybody else, okay? They had 20 acres of land, and they were basically at the top of this big hill, and they were in isolation. The millennials don't want that. They want to connect. They want community. They want nice things. They want nice places, nice finishes, but they want everything to be around them. They want everything to be convenient. They want that restaurant to be there. They want it to stay open, by the way. And here's a word to the suburbs. If you want to keep millennials, you better stay open past 7 o'clock, okay? And I asked a couple of millennials one day, because if you go back before the pandemic, we were all talking about smart cities and how smart cities were going to be. Smart cities would have, like, the stores and the restaurants and, and the the daycare centers and everything all there I think we're having commercials I'm trying to think that. so I don't want to be interrupted I'll finish this after the commercial break because it's coming in and out of me um, I don't know what's going on but it's not
7: Hey, it's Joe Piscopo. This year marks 20 years since America's darkest day, September 11th, 2001. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been supporting America's frontline heroes ever since. When a first responder or military service member doesn't come home and young children are left behind, Tunnel to Towers pays off their mortgage to lift the financial burden and bring their family stability. For catastrophically injured veterans and first responders, Tunnel to Towers builds mortgage-free smart homes, enabling our most severely injured heroes to live more independent lives our nation's heroes people who are willing to die for you and me need your help please join tunnel to towers on their mission to do good and help these heroes donate 11 dollars a month at t2t.org that's t the number two t.org that's t2t.org thank you Hey, it's Joe Piscopo. My friends over at Route 22 Toyota want me to remind you that if you're tired of dealing with dummies, get over to the -the state-of-the-art service facility in Hillside, New Jersey, please. Alex Kinsella has the entire team staying safe, wearing masks, socially distancing, fogging vehicles with every single service to make sure they're disinfected. At Route 22 Toyota, they always get it right. They're doing their part to stay safe. Plus, right now, Route 22 Toyota is offering qualified buyers more reasons than ever to get into a new Toyota. Like 0% APR, financing up to five years and zero down leases on some of your favorite Toyota models. Call 855-621-9949 for details and make sure to tell them Joe sent you. 855-621-9949 to schedule a test drive and Route 22 Toyota will get you driving a new Toyota with zero percent interest or zero down leases. Now that is the smart way to buy. Route 22 Toyota, Route 22 West in Hillside, New Jersey or at Route 22 Toyota.
0: Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or radio.com.
5: Better sleep means a better you. That's why Mattress Firm came up with the Rest Assured promise, featuring the best mattresses from America's best mattress brands. Like the Temper Breeze collection, available now with a $300 instant gift, good towards your choice of sleep accessories. Visit with our sleep experts in-store, online or by phone to find the right bed for you. Only at Mattress Firm, America's number one tempur-pedic retailer. Offer valid with qualifying purchase restrictions apply. Valid at participating locations only. For offer details, visit mattressfirm.com/sale.
0: It's I on Real Estate. Got a question? Call 866 970 9622. Here's Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman.
2: We're back. You're listening to I on Real Estate. We're talking about the millennials, which, by the way, I I didn't tell you they were born between 1981 and 1996. And so they're approximately, the youngest are probably in their 25 ish and the oldest is up to 40. And we're just saying that they are the majority of people buying today. And more than likely you'll be selling to a millennials. So you wanna know what they want, what they like. And um, they really like, as we were saying before the break, um, millennials um, are interested in a sense of community. They want community and place priority on neighborhoods. And they want neighborhoods that encompass everything that they need whether it be restaurants whether it be daycare centers and arts Um, they want everything to be close they don't want to have to drive 20 minutes to get to the nearest uh, store or shopping or or they just want everything to be close and um the cities do that they don't necessarily need a big city and with remote working people can live further from the city. So that's another factor to look at because I do think that although people are coming back to the office, and this is my feeling, or no one can predict the future, my feeling is though that trend of remote working will, will stick. In other words, people will uh, want to interact. I mean, there's nothing that replaces interaction with people. But they certainly don't want to be on a Zoom. I mean, you know, Zooms are, you know, after a while. I mean, Zoom calls certainly don't give you the act, the creativity. So I think it'll be a combination which allows them to um, to really move further. Um, they want a shorter commute. They don't want to drive hours. Uh, they want to have flexibility in their jobs. And one of them, as I think that they'll say, we want to not live where we work. We want to work where we live. And we, they put a very high preference on where they're living as far as not only the home that they buy, but the lifestyle that it gives them the place that they're living. So um, with that... I, I think I, I bought something because if you're selling your home, you probably will have a millennial. Am I, uh, are they hearing me? I don't know. I'm hearing very.
4: Yes. You're, you're, you're fine. Daddy.
2: Oh, it's, yep, uh, it, my, on my end, it's, it sounds kind of staticky. Um, so if you're a seller or you want to know what millennials look for, um, Here's some, of the, here's some of the things that I think you should all know that these are what millennials look for. They, they, first of all, like big kitchens. And if you don't have a big kitchen, well, then kind of open it up and make it as spacious as you can. Um, millennials, you know, like kitchens is their top, one of their top priorities. So if you're selling your home, you really want to work on that kitchen. If you have to work on anything, while Generation X and baby boomer generations lean more towards formal dining rooms. Okay. Millennials prefer open space, open plans, open space where everything is one, where their family room, where they eat, where they cook, everything is all one. They're much more informal. They're less likely to want formal dining rooms and formal entertainment that way they want it open, um, informal seating. So again, if you are selling a home, kind of keep that in mind. They like modern amenities. So a uh, big concern for millennials is that they want to come home with a modern, high-functioning amenities. It includes, well, they want high-end dishwashers, dryers. They, You know, if you can put a gym somewhere even if you have to do it in your basement, they like home gyms because they do work out a lot. Uh, they want, you know... You know, hardwood floors—they're not big on rugs. And if you do have rugs in your property, or like in your house, and you have rugs, if you lift the rug a little, you probably find the hardwood floor. And in many cases, those hardwood floors are great. You just have to kind of rebuff them and have them done. But if so, I would take down the take out the rugs and put the hardwood floors in because they like was there they like hardwood. They like, you know, area rugs. They don't like wall-to-wall carpeting. Uh, So that's something to think about because more than likely a millennial will be purchasing your home. Uh, They want, they're very environmentally conscious. So try to make your home energy efficient. They don't like maintenance. They don't want to be fixing up every day. So, you know. Uh, convenience is important. So when you're selling your home, think about renovations that speak to millennials. Consider switching carpeting, as I said, which stains to hardwood floors. And you might do synthetic decking because synthetic decking, which looks just like wood decking now, uh, is durable and it doesn't require maintenance the way old wood decks do. As I said, they want multifunctional spaces. So they want spaces that they can do a lot of things with, and they want layouts that have open space um, where they can, you know, make it a home. Or they can, you know, they can work out of there. They can watch TV out of there. They can sit and chat with friends. So, so they they like multi multi. uh, space so what i would do if i had a home that didn't have that i would clear out my furniture i would put it in storage if you want to keep it but i have a minimal amount of furniture i pick up take all my rugs and my wall-to-wall carpet and rip it up and do get it to the hardwood floors i would probably paint everything kind of an off-white or some type of like light color to make it clean and it also makes your property your home look bigger the more stuff that you have in it, the smaller it looks. They don't want to do what our generation, the baby boomers did. What And the baby boomers came in and said, listen, this is a great house, but it needs updating. So, you know, we'll save up and maybe we'll eventually we can do the kitchen in a year and then we can finish the basement three years from now. And they want it now and they like homes that are done. So it is worth it to you not to spend the fortune, but to update your kitchen, clean up, you know, make everything white, try to make it as move in as possible. Um, or you could go to the other extreme and that's a handyman special, but then you're going to take a lot of money off your price. So you want to get your, your pr- property in tip-top shape, okay, because millennials don't want to do the work. They want to move into something that's done, that's clean, that they can place their furniture in. Um, I would go on to the luxury market, but do you, do Steve and, and, and Ace, you have anything to add to that?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I think in a couple of other trends also when you're talking about space, and it's interesting is how people are reimagining space because I think there is a little bit of a paradox in this generation. I think everything you said is true. But also they're willing to take small space if let's say there's a community and amenities with it so I think one of the other trends that we're seeing um, because you know big kitchens newly renovation there's a cost to that and so you still got to work within your budget and I think there's another trend of sort of the micro living where you're seeing you know smaller units but then buildings having really more in the common areas And I think that's a trend that's in parallel um, as well that's going on.
2: That's true. Obviously, look, um, you know, some people are going to be in apartments. And if you're in apartments and you have less space, but you still, they want it open. They still don't want, you know, they still want it open. They want it multifunctional. Um, Home offices are really big. So, you know, If you can kind of throw that in, uh, it's fine. And sometimes, you know, in houses, and again, I can't speak for all, but I see enough, I mean, I've got, I've seen probably every house in the world, but I've seen a lot Mm -hmm. in my years. But sometimes you'll have a wall between the kitchen and the dining room where they had a formal dining room. And if you have a wall, sometimes if you take that out, you open it up and it's not really expensive. So what I would do is call your realtor, Okay. And I really, I I don't, you know, I never sell anything on this show. I really just, you know, none of us do. We really give you the facts. So this is, but I honestly believe, you know, people say, oh, you know, what do I need a realtor for? I mean, people with very expensive homes don't usually say that, but sometimes that realtor is going to come in and ask them, let me ask you, when you look around the house, what things would you do that don't cost a lot of money Because sometimes you can invest $1,000 or less, and you can get $10,000 more in price just for small things that you have to do. Uh, So I always would have the realtor come in and ask them, what what kind of things would you do to make this house more saleable? And remember something, it's like a first impression. When you uh, meet somebody, they're going to kind of look at you and make a judgment on what you look like. Before they get to know you. Now, if you live in a suburb and you have a single family home, the outside of your home is a first impression. So don't forget that. Okay, if they see, you know, a chip paint or a sloppy or the lawn undone, well, if your lawn is not done, then they say, what else is not done in the home? I and mean, if they see junk in the yard, so remember something, that's something's first impression. And if somebody likes the outside of your home, that means that 50% of your home is they they that means they like the location, they like the outside, they like the street. So they just have to so so a lot of your home is sold already. Now it's just the inside. And remember something else: millennials look online. So You know, they are not ever going to get to your home if you don't have a good online presence. And that you really need to sit with your realtor and ask them and have them show you examples of what they're going to put online. Do you know, I I did a story for somebody. I just wrote something for one of the magazines. Do you know that eventually, and it's starting to happen now. Now, I am a baby boomer. This I would never do. But I'm not a millennial, so it doesn't matter what I would never do. Millennials are buying things without even seeing the inside. And they do believe that there'll be a day that you're going to see a lot of people never even look inside a house because they can see so much through technology now. They can see streets. They can zoom in on the property. They can see the interiors. um, That. Some of them don't even bother. They're buying the house sight unseen. Have you seen that ace going on?
4: Yeah, Dottie. I mean, that's 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 been a trend that we that we've been seeing quite. Um, it's it's it, it's one of those things where you you kind of think to yourself, is it a trend or is it something that's going to be the new new norm, right, Dottie? And and some of well, the things. Yeah. Go ahead.
2: No, I said, you're right. I mean, you know, look, look, but I'm looking at, at I've been done a lot of research on that, on that topic, because as I said, yeah. I would not. And I always tell people, don't buy a house unseen. You, you should go see it. Okay. Correct. That is Correct. my advice. Yeah. I'm a baby boomer and my, I grew up, that's, you know, and I, I wouldn't buy anything. I didn't see in, unless it was maybe, in a, I, I don't think I really would unless you know it was like the same kind of houses in are development and I sent a friend to see the inside but that is I find more and more people I know have not they've relied on the realtor to tell them and they are predicting that um, down the that as it's as happening now and I know in the Hamptons now rentals are one thing because I can understand somebody not seeing a rental and and, and, and renting an expensive rental. Because the worst that can happen is they don't love it, but they're not—they don't own it. But I never saw that on selling, and I have to tell you, um, I've been talking to a lot of the, our brokers in the Hamptons, and they're telling me, "Listen, the people there's so little inventory that people are buying sight unseen."
4: Dottie, I can I can share a story to our listeners, and and this could be a good tip for any potential seller. You know, I was looking at a home. Up in in the Poconos, and the home was actually featured in one of the um, Conde Nast's sort of top ten interior homes for design. And I, I can tell you, when you take your home to the, to that next level, and to your point, Dottie, the reason why I'm sharing the story, it's all about marketing. It's all about you know having the best pictures. I went and offered, which which the list, listing price was 450k. Right. That home. That home went for 680000 Wait, and Wait, say that
2: again. Say so that again to listeners.
4: So that home listed for 450000 I gave full asking because it was in the Poconos. You know, price points price points aren't that extreme. But I can tell you the person that won the bid was $680,000. And they didn't, they didn't even come to the home. So just to your point, Dottie, it wasn't even an offer on site. It was an offer through the internet because the home... Was was in Conde Nast's top ten designs, right? So, so that tells you that if you, if you're marketing it right, these millennials will come in and snatch it up because that's what they're doing. Now, you know, again, is that going to be a trend or is that the new norm? But it's really important for for folks to really market and and, and put their best foot forward on the, their home. Exactly, we have exactly, news it News coming up. But I just we'll talk a little about online
2: presence.